good to be together this morning. Uh, as Jeremiah said, I'm Joel Fair, and I have the privilege this morning of, of opening God's Word. And what a great gift it is. Um, as we read it, that passage, what a beautiful imagery of coming and enjoying and feasting and turning and all of the things that it involves. And, and this week, what a joy it's been to, to celebrate together um, as the church, as Christ's body. We, a lot of us were able to participate in the homes this week and, and read scripture together and sing carols together. And one of the passages that we read talking about what Christ has done. And this morning, I just want to look at that, that Isaiah 9, 6, and, and open with that. It says, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This week we've celebrated that Christ has come, that he has broken through through the darkness and he has brought the light. And so we rejoice in that. We've, we've celebrated, we've shared, we've exchanged gifts, we've sung songs, we've lit candles to show that Christ has done it, that that's a reality, that we celebrate with billions of other people around the world that Christ has come in the form of a babe into a cradle, and that he lived this perfect life, and that he went to the cross, and that at the cross he died, and he rose again, and now he reigns forever. And so this is, this is what we celebrate during our Christmas season, during this Advent season. And so we've seen in the book of Isaiah how God has called a people to himself, the, the Jewish people to himself, and, and Isaiah prophesies how the, this people has longed for the coming of the Messiah, the righteous king who would establish a just kingdom. And we've walked through this for several weeks and we've seen how we desire justice. And yet we also tremble at justice. We, we hesitate at justice because justice means that, that we're going to be declared for who we are, as we talked about in the prayer of confession, that we're unrighteous. We need a just savior and a justifier. So today, as we finish this Advent season and yet continue in the eternal Advent season, waiting for our, our Lord to come. We're going to look and see what Christ's coming, as we celebrated this week, what does that mean for us? What are the implications that Christ has come, that He was born? And if we truly believe everything that we've celebrated this week, how does that affect our lives? How does that change us? How does that give us joy? What does that need to produce in us? So this morning we're reading... And Isaiah 55, and I want to pray and ask God to stir our hearts. Lord, we thank you for uh, the opportunity to be here together. What a joy it is to be the church, to gather together on Sunday mornings, to encourage one another, to point each other to Jesus, and to continue to do this throughout the week, Lord, in our homes and in our neighborhoods, in our schools, to encourage one another, to to speak truth and to speak gospel, Lord. I pray that you would um, be with the partners right now that are in CP Kids, that are encouraging our children, that are pointing them to Jesus. I pray that, that there would be hearts that would be changed this morning. God, that there would be children who find joy in knowing you. Lord, and we ask that in this room that you would stir our hearts, cause us to believe this to be true. Lord, we, we may have celebrated all week and just forgotten, and it just became this, 
this rote ritual that we've done, Lord, then we do it every year. But Lord, I pray that today you would stir it in our hearts to believe it to be true. That Christ has come. That that's the best news that we can hear. Lord, I pray that you would prepare our hearts for the gospel and that we would repent today. That we would believe and rejoice. We thank you for your word and the gift that it is. And give us ears to hear and eyes to see this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah 55, verse 1, it jumps out at you. It's an invitation to come. Read with me. It says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. This come is for everyone who thirsts. All of us are looking for some sort of satisfaction, some sort of completion. Um, We search after it every day, all of the time. And particularly, you may have thought of this, this season where you are searching for satisfaction and you've been striving for it. So the invitation is to us. Come you who are thirsty. All of us thirst for that. All of us want it. We're all seeking to be satisfied. Come you are thirsty. Come and eat and drink what you did not buy. I want us to stop right there and note that because that's going to be the content that we follow throughout this whole passage. We get to come and eat, but we did not buy it. It doesn't even say that it was free. It just says that we did not buy it. So a purchase was made and we're going to we're going to dive into that of who purchased it. But the initial call is come eat, be satisfied, enjoy the richness of the wine and the milk and the water. And so this morning, that's, that's the invitation. Let's continue. Verses 2 and 3. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear, and come to me. Hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David. See, often we spend our resources, our time, our talent, our treasure, our money uh, on that which does not satisfy. And so Isaiah is speaking directly to us this morning in verse 2. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? I've been uh, thinking about this this week kind of a chaotic week when you have lots of children and you're trying to go from place to place and do all the things on Christmas week, um, it can be a little crazy. And I've thought about how did I spend my time, talent, and treasure? What did I seek? What was I trying to purchase? I was looking for satisfaction, trying to gain satisfaction for me, also for my children by giving them these great gifts. Um, And for me, that's a very convicting thing. Even without my wife helpfully pointing out all of the money that I spent on Christmas. But she did. And so I'm convicted that maybe I've chased after something that did not satisfy. Maybe I've spent money on things that is not, on that which is not bread. Right? And I've forgotten. Even as we've heard it. I've heard it in one ear and I've forgotten in the other and I've chased after things that do not satisfy. 
But the call here is to eat and delight. Verse uh, 2 talks about listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. It's not even in this particular passage a, a a denying yourself. It's a delight yourself to enjoy. Come, eat this rich food and find satisfaction. We do this by inclining our ear, coming to him. Hearing. Those are, the, those are the active verbs that he's called us to do. Those are the actions that he wants from us. And yet these active verbs that he's calling us to do, they, they're not actually producing the fruit. They're simply engaging with the one who has purchased and who does have the fruit that satisfies, who's, who does have the food and the milk and the wine that satisfies. His purchase has been made, and so we are invited to come and eat and drink. And there's promises to this. We read in verse 3, Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. That our soul may live. That we may have life. That we may receive the everlasting covenant. The covenant that he had for for David. the, The steadfast and sure love of our God. So that's our invitation this morning. That's what he opens with. And it's good news. It's a, it's a sweet balm. It's an enjoyable meal to come and partake of God. Verses 4 and 5 say, Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel. For he has glorified you. This passage is is talking about the unification of a people and a nation under Christ for the glory of God. There was a people that were not a people, and Christ has called them in, and he's made them his people. It's a picture of God's mercy being for everyone. Everyone who thirsts. Not just the Jew, but also for the Gentiles. So Isaiah is prophesying that, that Christ has come. He will come. And He will redeem a people that were not even a people. And He will draw them in and He will make them His. And it's not just the whole. It's not just the rich or the clean. But it's also for the maimed, the poor, and the sick. Isaiah is receiving this picture of God's redemptive plan of salvation for all people. That's awesome. And he's in awe of it, and he's blown away. This grafting in of a people who are not a people, it's a theme that's throughout the New Testament. We look in 1 Peter 2.10. Peter says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We're invited to come and to eat, to delight ourselves, to eat of the rich food, for some of us, we, we can't even grasp that. It's this abstract thing that we don't, we don't understand. And yet we've seen glimpses of it. We've had tastes of it. We've seen where God has supplied and, and we've been satisfied and we can rest in that. And this morning, together as a body, we get to taste and see that God is good and to enjoy Him. But it's not free. It was purchased. Verses 6 through 9 tell us how it was purchased. And so we want to dive into 
into this passage. Uh, we'll read 6 and 7 together. It says, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way, and the unrighteous man His thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that He may have compassion on him, and to our God, for He will abundantly pardon It says, seek, call, forsake, return. There's an, there's an active repentance that's called out here. We need to seek the Lord while He may be found. We need to call upon Him while He is near. We need to forsake our way and our thoughts. I think sometimes I struggle, and we struggle, with um, the wicked and the unrighteous can't be us. I know wicked and I know unrighteous and I'm not it. And yet, just as we've said in the prayer of confession, we are it. We struggle with that. I'm quick to think that self-righteous, okay, I can handle that. That's, that's me for sure. But unrighteous, I don't think so. And yet, any righteousness that is not the righteousness of Christ is an unrighteousness. And so, I find myself here let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. So this morning, the invitation is there and all we have to do is forsake our way to give it up, to come. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. That abundantly pardon is beautiful. Maybe this morning you've thought about where you've fallen short this week um, and you've wrestled with the idea of being pardoned. Christ has pardoned us through grace alone in Him alone. One of the commentaries that helped me this week was uh, John Calvin's commentary on Isaiah. And he says, Although we entertain some thoughts of His mercy... Yet we do not venture fully to believe that it belongs to us. It is not without reason, therefore, that this clause is added, that we may not be hindered by uncertainty or doubt as to His infinite compassion toward us. If you have doubts on the measure of God's compassion or the abundance of His pardon this morning, you're at the right place, and I pray that His truth, the truth of His Word, would resonate with you this morning. We've looked at Isaiah and this this prophesying of a coming king who would come and he would restore and he would bring them out of exile, that he would save them. We've looked at um, this morning, this invitation to come, and yet there's Isaiah 53, which is two chapters before. Isaiah has a picture of a suffering servant. The one who has purchased that food that, we've, that we are invited to come and eat. And so I just want to read from Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6. It says, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him 
the iniquity of us all. Verse 6 says, we have turned everyone to our own way. So the forsaking that he's calling us to is, is all of us. We all need to forsake chasing our own way, attempting to purchase that which has already been purchased for us, attempting to add to what Christ has done. We talk about it here when we, when we talk about pretending and performing. We pretend that we're not quite as bad as, as the Bible says that we are, that we're not that wicked or unrighteous. And then we try to perform to, to somehow earn what has already been purchased for us. And so this morning the call is to give that up. To turn from that. To repent. It says, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. And let the wicked forsake His way and the unrighteous man His thoughts. And there's also an urgency to this passage. We think that maybe, maybe we don't need to do it today because we'll be back next week or maybe later on I'll, I'll feel more inclined to turn from this way that I think is right. And yet, Isaiah is saying that there is a time where he may be found and there is a time where he is near. And that time is now. If he says that, then I guess he's implying that there's going to be a time where he is not near and he cannot be found. And so this morning, we have to trust that that's true. That, that this morning, he is there. He is available. He is near. And if we turn, if we forsake our way, if we say, God, I've chased after this. I've tried to add to this. I've tried to, to be satisfied in these other ways. I've tried to be a good dad. I've tried to be a, a, good, a good student. I've tried to be um, available to my children. Right? We try to add all of these things to a purchase that has already been made in Christ. Yes, those are great things, but those are not the things that save. Those are not the things that are purchasing the food that we are invited to come and eat. It's only in Christ. And it's a sufficient payment that He's made says that his body was broken, that he was crushed for our iniquities, that there was this exchange that happens at the cross where we come and all we have is iniquity and shame and sin. And all he has is righteousness and he takes our iniquity and our shame and he gives us his righteousness. And so this morning, we just, we forsake our thoughts and our ways. And Why? 7 and 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. He's asking us to leave our ways because His ways are better. He's asking us to stop thinking our thoughts because His thoughts are better. The redemptive plan of salvation through Jesus Christ and Him alone is a better plan than anything that we're trying to create or come up with when we try to earn this. And so do we believe that that's true? Do we believe that Christ has sufficiently paid the price for us? And if He has, then why do we strive? Why are we pursuing these other things? 
His thoughts and ways are higher than ours. The context of Isaiah in this chapter is that we cannot purchase the wine and the milk, but God can and did. He's performed every act required to bring us back into communion with himself, and he did it in a way that will bring him the most glory. When we try to do it our way, we're, we're seeking something for ourselves, and yet Christ has done it in God's way to give him the most glory. So this morning, we forsake our plans, our ways, and our thoughts, and we return to him. We trust him. We believe him. We enjoy him. We trust that Christ and his payment is sufficient. Verses 10 through 13, rejoice, believe Christ has accomplished it. This morning, we need to believe this to be true. We need the Holy Spirit to stir our hearts to believe that this is true. And then we see what happens. Verse 10 and 11, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. We see in this passage this section that God is the provider he has given everything creation requires for life and for beauty and for growth he changes the seasons he brings water when 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 water is needed he brings snow when snow is needed he brings all of the things we need for provision of life to sustain us and it's enough that some can be sown into the earth as we look at verse 10 making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower. So some of it gets sown back into the earth and and continues this life and continues the growth pattern. And some of it, that last part of verse 10, is bread to the eater. Some of it is just to be enjoyed. See, Christ is sufficient for both the change, the transformation, the work, but He's also sufficient to be enjoyed. He's also there to be enjoyed. There's a concept here of not simply continuing life, but also to experience the joy of it in the living. Um, it says that, that Christ came that we may have life and that we may have it abundantly. I think often I just get tied up in the life portion and I never get to the life abundantly because I just think I'd, if I could just make it to tomorrow... Right? And yet, that's not what we're called to. We're called to life abundantly, to eat, to taste, to eat and drink the wine and the bread and to enjoy it. And that enjoyment is our evangelistic opportunity. John Piper says that um, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Sometimes we think that, man, I, I really need to witness more to, to my neighbors, or I really need to be um, a better example to my coworkers. And yet Christ is saying, no, if you enjoy me, if I satisfy you, that's what's going to show your neighbor that I am good, and that I am true, and that, that this word is true. So we need to believe that that's, that's what he's saying. We need to believe that that's true this morning. And the implications 
of that will be that Christ will be glorified in our enjoyment of Him. He has come that we may have life and life abundantly. We see in verse 11, so that my word, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Um, in John 1.1, 1, 1, it says that the Word was with God and the Word was God. And so we see that, that God is sending out His Word and it's going out of His mouth. And we believe that, that that is Christ. That the Word was with God and the Word has come. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus came to earth and now He has accomplished and succeeded the plan of God. So shall the word be that goes out from my mouth, and it shall not return to me empty. Jesus is that word that brings life and joy and peace. And it's a sufficient word. And succeeds in the thing at which God sends it. Verse 12 and 13 For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Creation is singing the praise of our God. It's singing the praise of the Creator. We see it here. The mountains and the hills will burst forth in singing and the trees will clap their hands. Now, we we haven't seen that. And yet, we believe that His Word is true. And so, we are invited to participate in the praise that's already happening of this glorious God. How do we go about doing that? Well, we, Christ Church, the redeemed, the purchased, are invited to participate We're invited to display the power of our Savior. The power of God in our transformed lives to be co-heirs with Christ, to put on His righteousness. We talk about the only thing that we can bring is the sin that, that was born on that suffering servant. And yet He has given us His righteousness, and so now we walk in that righteousness. Now we trust that that's true, we believe that it's true, and we say, Lord, I'm going to stop striving and I'm going to trust in your righteousness. I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to forsake my ways. I'm going to trust that your ways really are higher than mine, better than mine, truer than mine. We are called as God's people to receive the Holy Spirit of God and to live as witnesses to His power, to turn what was the witnesses to His power to turn what was dead and broken into something alive and whole. We are His display of, of His power. This morning, we have that opportunity. We see that it says, Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. The briar and the thorn refer to dead and scraggly weeds. The, myr- the myrtle and the cypress refer to the evergreen trees full of life. And so... Now we get to participate. We get to show and be the display of God's glory because He's taken transformed lives. He's transformed our lives from people who would seek their own ways and thoughts and do it themselves and try and strive to people who are content 
and understand and believe in the sufficiency of what Christ has done. And it's not simply in our vertical relationships, but it's also in our relationships with each other. That if Christ is sufficient for me and my sin, then he's sufficient for you and your sin. And now I can love you freely and wholly and completely. And you can love me, not because I am striving and I'm actually attaining any of these things, but because Christ has done it. And so this morning together, we get to be the people of God. And all of this is for His glory. It says at the end of verse 13, And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. We are uh, recipients of grace, and yet the grace is not the end goal. The end goal is the glory of God. And so what a sweet, what a sweet deal to be a beneficiary of that. To, to, be, to have His grace all for His glory. And so this morning we get to celebrate that together. Three points to leave you with this morning. We need to come and we need to see that God is good. We need to to taste the wine and the bread and the milk and the water and be satisfied. We need to stop striving and going, trying to do it ourselves, but delight ourselves in the Lord. We need to forsake our way and seek His way. We can't purchase what has already been purchased for us in Christ. But we we don't always believe that that's true. And so we need to run back to the Word. We need to repent for our unbelief. And we need to say, God, help me to believe. Stir it in my heart again that I would believe that You are who You say You are. That I would have life, life abundantly. And we need to rejoice in Christ. Believe that what Christ has done has accomplished everything that the Father had intended for it to accomplish. We need to believe that He's defeated the spiritual death and darkness and given us life. And we continue in an Advent season, as Matt talked about earlier. We hope for the day when there will be no more sickness and no more sorrow, no more sin, where we won't even have the opportunity to pursue our own way because the only way will be Christ's way. We need that to be our longing, our deepest longing, and that we would trust that it's true. Hope for His glorious return when He will restore all of creation to perfection that's coming again. I pray that that would be the hope that we have. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for the gift of Your Word. We thank You that um, nothing can be added to it or taken away from it, and we just thank You for the, the beautiful imagery that You've given us in the book of Isaiah. Lord, we thank You that You have sufficiently paid the price through Your Son, Jesus. Pray that You'd stir belief in our hearts. God, that we would hunger and thirst after Your Word, that we would seek You, and that in the seeking we would be satisfied. We thank you that we get to do it together as the body of Christ. Pray that you would remind us again how much you love us. 
that you would remind us again of the abundance of your pardon, that your grace is sufficient, and that your mercy is new every morning. God, you're good, and we just thank you for your love for us. Pray that we would remember that, that we would share it, that by being satisfied in you, you would be glorified in our lives, and that that would be a witness in all of the relationships that we have, Lord, and that you would draw all men unto yourself, that the mountains and the field, the mountains and the hills would sing, that the trees of the fields would clap their hands, and that we would be in that procession, that we would also glorify you with our lives. We thank you for doing this. In your name we pray. Amen.